Uh, Money Talk with James Ross, 17 minutes past eight, and uh, joined now by our guests, uh, Richard Harris, CEO of Port Shelter Investment Management. Uh, good morning, Richard. Good morning, James, and Happy New Year. And to you as well, and to uh, Andrew Sullivan, uh, the founder of Asian Market Sense. Uh, Andrew, good morning. Come. Good morning. Ah, there we are. Okay. Um, Andrew, Richard, well... Uh, you know some some positive words about the uh, the stock market there from Susan Schmidt uh, a few moments ago. Uh, look like uh, looks like the year has been a pretty pretty much a good one uh, in the stock market. Richard, your thoughts on that? Uh, yes, it's been pretty stunning altogether, you know, with uh, movements in the, the S&P 500 in the US up 26% or something, Europe up 22%. Uh, we've had some uh, good performance from Japan as well, but of course the the big outlier, of course, are the China markets. Uh, Shanghai, I think, is down 6% and Hong Kong down a terrifying 17%. So, um, yeah, it's been a bit of a mixed year. Andrew, is uh, that something you agree with? It's mixed or it's been uh, up particularly in uh, in Western economies? No, I think, I think Richard's right. I think it's been very mixed. And I think even within those positive numbers out of some of the Western markets, it's been a select few uh, companies that have really driven these markets rather than being a very broad uh, rise in markets. And I think that's going to be a concern as people try and position themselves for next year. So you focus, do you think, uh, on uh, the, the, the big seven, the, the tech companies? Uh, the, those are what's behind the, the drive? Well, I think a lot of people have. And, I mean, the thing is you cannot not be invested in those if you're, uh, if you're following those indexes. I think the question is for a lot of um, certainly tr- sort of tracker companies is whether they, you know, what, what else they track or whether they just look at tracking those and then try and make further upside from other investments. Um, it makes it very difficult. I do think, though, as well, though, you know, certainly when we look at something like NVIDIA and the AI space, that people are going to start looking further down the chain of other companies that do well. So the memory side with people like uh, Samsung and SK Hynix, but even all the way down to, you know, these data centers require a lot of power. Uh, and so demand for power transformers and things like that. So there's going to be a lot more opportunities, I think, as people sort of, unpack the, the the real story behind, behind AI. Yeah, I mean, Bitcoin mining, uh, you know, we had a story earlier on that uh, um, investing much more in developing uh, Bitcoin mining. And of course, that uses a lot of power in data centers. And I suppose that could well be a driver uh, behind those opportunities for, for power. Yes, and I think, I mean, if you look at a lot of the um, statistics in America, one of the things a lot of places are short of is actually power transformers. So, there is a, you know, a good demand out there. The other thing we're going to see is obviously this move to green energy and, and transportation of green energy is going to be a big theme as well because obviously a lot of these solar farms and wind farms aren't right next door to the, uh, the grids that they are going to supply. Richard, uh, AI in the news again uh, today. The New York Times uh, uh, suing uh, Microsoft and OpenAI over claims that uh, it's used uh, millions or they've used millions of New York Times articles to train 
uh, the artificial intelligence systems. Uh, yeah, this looks like uh, the start of quite a battle, doesn't it? It does, and it's going to be great entertainment for the rest of us. But there is a very strong point here, which is that, you know, basically what AI is doing is standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, a great deal of work out there. In, in, indeed, even my own PhD uh, was plagiarised when I ran it back on, on uh, OpenAI. Um, you've got people putting vast amounts of expensive content on the internet and of course they want to be paid for it and if you think of the New York Times you know it's almost all behind a paywall so basically all the open AI companies have done is pay a very cheap subscription and got this massive mine of information so with the amount of money in AI it's not surprising uh, people are going to want to take a part of that. Yeah I guess the New York Times has a hundred years of articles behind it uh, as well so that's a, an absolutely huge amount uh, of data Andrew is is this something that you're going to see extending to you know other areas that AI is kind of invading on? Well, I think so, and I think it's one of the reasons that some companies are reticent about taking up AI um, because you know unless they've developed it in house, then you know the content that they put up there then can be used by other people, uh, and so giving AI access to their own databases, uh, there there will, will be risks involved, and it. It really comes down to showing people once again that, you know, content is, is uh, a valuable asset uh, and it's a matter of how you control it. Now, throwing forward to uh, 2024, the markets are what they are at the moment, pretty good at the end of the, the year. Is that going to continue, Richard? What do we think? What, what are your predictions? Well, the, well, uh, of course, if I could predict, I'm not sure I'd be sitting here, but I think if you look further ahead to 2024, we've had a wonderful period in 2023. Now, don't forget that that came after a, a difficult 22, which came after a good 21, which came after a bad 20. So, you know, if you're going to take that in mind, then I'd say 2024 isn't looking very comfortable you know markets are fragile they've borrowed a lot of performance from the future so i think they are ripe for a fall i don't see this being uh, a critical fall a 2008 fall but i think we are going to see 2024 being difficult especially with the u.s presidential election coming up later in the year uh, that's of course i think going to be a backdrop to china recovery because I think we are at a position where maybe China, Hong Kong may start to start looking forward to recovery in 2024. So again, we'll have a mixed year, maybe the other way around. But of course, if we do see a, a week 2024 around the world, uh, that's going to prove a headwind for China and Hong Kong, even though they may be looking to pick up. Andrew, do you think it's going to be a complicated year? Are you a bit more positive, perhaps, than uh, uh, than Richard there? And, and how about China? You know, it's it's sort of off limits for foreign investors at the moment. So, what does it hold? Do you think? Well, no, I, I tend to agree with Richard there. I think you know with these markets are priced for perfection, and it, it was interesting when Powell gave out his Christmas prezies that uh, you then saw a number of Fed speakers coming out and sort of rolling back this. Uh, the the, uh, the expectation of uh, rate cuts. Um, so it's going to be very very difficult. And as Richard said, the U.S. election. I think as well for for Hong Kong and China, the Taiwanese election is going to be important for, because of the uh, the manufacturing base that Taiwan has in China. But I think yes. I mean the the, the latest uh, missive from the uh, from the party about you know promoting growth again. The trouble is we've heard this message so many times before, and. Uh, you know, we're not really seeing the policies that we would expect from a country that is, uh, you know, 
promoting itself for growth. And I think the recent uh, reorganization within financial services, whilst it's important that they do improve their financial services, um, you know, removing the, uh, the role or the, the senior role of the PBOC, I think, will again cause people a, an amount of concern and reappraisal of quite how they're going to monitor policy from China and therefore making investment decisions. I think that's right. One of the things I think China needs is they need the big bazooka. They need a big injection of liquidity. It's it's okay to say, yes, the economy is recovering slowly. But if you look at how economies have recovered in the West, it's usually been an injection of liquidity, a stimulus of the economy uh, at the right time. And I think if that happens, then uh, China and Hong Kong could be at quite a good buying point. But it's very much predicated on this big bazooka coming in that's, uh, that's going to be needed. But is the b- big bazooka can happen, uh, Richard? Is this rhetoric from uh, Beijing and nothing behind it? Well, uh, this is the issue. You know, it's okay to have the rhetoric, but I think at the end of the day, you can only do that for so long and eventually you have to act. Now, uh, I think the Chinese authorities are quite rightly trying to resist stimulating the economy too much because history shows that the money's just gone into real estate and speculation. But, you know, there are uh, regulatory ways and statutory ways you can control that sort of thing. So I think uh, they do need to stimulate the economy while at the same time learning from the past and uh, uh, putting some brakes on those particular excesses. But if we're not going to put our money into into China, where where should we put it? Andrew, do you have any any thoughts on that? Uh, you know, is it Japan? Is it uh, big tech? Uh, any thoughts as to where money's likely to go in 2024? Yeah, I think Japan is, is obviously a key market and especially with the, the change in policy there. But I'll just follow up on China. I mean, I think we all know that what really needs to happen is, you know, a resolution of the property sector. And that is going to be painful. And China doesn't like bankruptcies. It doesn't like companies going back bust. It wants to try and smooth the path out there. But at some time, at some point, you know, a lot of these property assets aren't worth what they're on the balance sheets for. And they've got to be uh, marked down accordingly. Um, but I think that because of that, a lot of investors will look at Japan, and Japan's obviously very active on basis at the moment. And the fact that companies are really, you know, reorientating themselves, you're seeing a lot of them bring their businesses out of China and looking elsewhere in the world, which makes it very much more attractive uh, and puts Japan back on the, uh, on the map as a manufacturer. Richard, have you got your eye on Japan? Uh, to a certain extent, I think what will probably happen there is we'll see Japanese uh, policies change a bit and we'll see maybe a recovery of the yen, which will help. But then, of course, that won't be quite so good for the stock market. Um, if I'm going to sort of say where, where would I put my money, yes, I think the market could fall maybe 20, maybe 25 percent even next year, looking, if you like, at a, a, at a general uh, Western type market index. But the question is, where are you going to put your money? Are you going to be able to sell in time and buy back in time? And usually the answer is no, unless there's some sort of major global crisis and we can't invest for maybe a guest crisis. So uh, I'm still staying in, in pretty well equities. I think cash still looks quite good. No crypto yet? Um, absolutely not, no. Uh, uh, as uh, Charlie Munger said, it's rat poison. 
Um, I'm interested in this stablecoin story mm. because all stablecoins are, uh, if you like, are an index on another asset. So why didn't you buy the Does other asset? Does it mean asset? anything? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's right. I, I think that the whole issue of digital currencies is interesting because that's going to make up payments of Hong Kong dollars and US dollars and Chinese yuan, all this sort of stuff easier. But, mm. you know, I think that stablecoin is a step too far. It's, um, uh, it, it sounds interesting. It's kind of like a dad thing. You know, the dads get interested in it because they think the kids are interested in it. But <laughs> no, I don't think the general public will accept it. Richard Harris is uh, CEO of Port Shelter Investment Management. Uh, thanks, Richard. Happy New Year and also Happy New Year to Andrew Sullivan, the founder of Asian Market Sense. Thanks for joining us 